before we get started, I'm just going to thank you all from LERT for your, your food and hygiene donations. It all leaves for Texas tomorrow. And uh, it's going to the uh, LCMS Texas District and also a food bank affiliate uh, nearby. So nothing will get wasted. And we are very thankful for what you've done. Okay, like Drake, let's go on the buzzer. What do you say? I'll, uh, it was me or Charles Barkley. So, you know, you, if you're here, you might have, eh, you might have done better with him. But uh, let's go. My things are pinging here. I got a lot cooking. Anyway, let's pray and let's go. Bless me, Lord. Amen. All right. Good to see you all. Welcome back. I uh, hope you had a good week. We creep closer to Holy Week, which is nice. You'll be able to sign up uh, pretty soon. I think they go out on Tuesday. So there's lots of services. We've tried to make enough seats for everybody who wants to be there. So, uh, you know, don't have to scramble too hard, but you shouldn't delay also. We'll do our best and see what happens as, as Holy Week comes toward us. Uh, well, as far as I can tell, everybody is still nervous. So uh, it's, it's an interesting time. I've, I've put this up for you here. And, you know, I'm always looking for a way out. And the question would be, would a blessing happen? I do want to encourage you. You know, as you wake in the evening or perhaps as you walk or you're distracted in the day uh, when you're quite worried. I know some people I know are in a constant state of worry now and uh, some people are debilitated by it and it still remains very, very difficult. And even when COVID clears a bit, a lot of damage has been done over the last year and uh, there's going to have to be a lot of repair and that repair, and I'm talking about uh, not just medically, but socially and politically and interpersonally, There's, there, that's going to be a stressful time. So it was nice to get a little better news today, it seems like. The, the date when we can open up fully is creeping toward us. But, uh, you know, when you do damage, it takes time. And we've done a lot of damage to each other and perhaps to ourselves as well. So in your list of prayers, you know, tuck this one away. Bless me, Lord. And we'll see maybe what that means as we go. It's one of the most basic things, you know. It's the last thing we do and the first thing we do every week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we remember the blessing of our baptism. And then we end with the ironic benediction. The Lord comes to Aaron and says, you know, if you want to bless these people, you take my name and you physically put it on them. And then things will go well for them. So blessing is really at the center of everything that happens to us. I also, you know, learned a lot as I've gone here. And I have to say this, this has taken shape, a different shape, three or four times just across the course of the time I've been thinking about it. I initially, uh, well, among my earlier thoughts, this is about the fourth iteration was, I thought that I would um, make deep exploration of things like loneliness and brokenheartedness. And I will come back to those in the weeks ahead, but I've also realized that that is an endless pit of anxiety and fear. And so I'm beginning now, and you'll see this as we go, to prompt you toward the things that would displace those fears. So I'm going to end up on the positive side of things. But just to suggest to you how much anxiety and worry there is, these titles, I receive some almost every day. 
you know, what does it take to be happy? We're in a giant fear conditioning experiment. Um, the lazy person's guide to happiness, crazy stuff. Right. And, but I get, I get several of these every day and in, this isn't just, you know, kind of off the grid stuff. This is uh, regular, you know, this is regular mainstream stuff. So, um, you know, I'm in this echo chamber now because I've Googled the wrong things and read the wrong things. And so, you know, one way, of course, to increase your anxiety is to constantly be assaulted by people who are anxious and fearful. So, you know, lock down your newsfeed maybe and take a day off. But let's chase this notion of blessing, you know, and if that could be one of the answers to our discontent. Um, I creep on Facebook. I'm not there because, as it says in the Bible, I thank God I'm not like other men, you know, um, adulterers and greedy. And, right, you know, I'm not, I just only creep on Facebook, uh, which I'm sure isn't the same level of sin. But I do from time to time, you know, see people who declare themselves blessed. You know, that's good. Like all, like all things, it's good when it starts. But now I often notice that it, somebody uses that, invokes it when it means, hey, I just got my way. And one of the things I want to be most careful about tonight, uh, frankly, is about you getting your way. So the way to do that is to track down what Jesus might have to say or how he might define these things, because faith agrees with Jesus. And um, there are ways to kind of sort this out. And I've given you a couple of diagnostics here. Um, when the Lord is doing the work, when he's doing it for you or doing it in you or doing it through you, you're going to be safe because then we remember that we live by gift and we don't run by our own steam and that anything that good that happens comes as a gift from the Lord. So I want to track down, at least I want to start by tracking down um, the difference between happiness, blessing, and joy. And I want to suggest to you by the end of the night, if you get two of those three, uh, your life is in pretty good shape. So maybe we can make some distinctions between those three things. Um, these are not going to be very technical definitions. We, we know we could, we could make those, but you spend a lot of time chasing and you don't go very far. I mean, there's all kinds of explanations now, psychological and chemical and brain and mind explanations for happiness and, and joy and blessing and reaction. Um, you know, it's a little like, you know, toxic waste. It takes 10% of your money to clean up the first 90% and then 90% of your money to clean up the last 10%. So in all these things, maybe we'll just do the first 90% or so. But see if you can go with this. And remember, these are things just to be tested. That happiness is this emotion tied to gratification or feeling good. And so this is in us now. Happiness has become a very big topic, of course. People on all sides quoting life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, we're used to that a bit. I mean, that's been a factor through my entire life to hear people quote different sides of that. One of the more interesting things I see lately, especially, especially in psychological stuff, is, and also kind of the self-help stuff that might come across an Instagram or show up in an email. I've noticed an uptick over the last year in the declaration of self-love as the primary love, or even self-love as the first path to uh, mental health. Uh, I'm suspicious of that, and perhaps you should be too, since it 
runs completely against the a notion of agapic love, of agape as self-serving and always for the other person first. Of course, everything can be destroyed and abused, but it's very interesting when you see a seismic shift like this. If you want to see how far the shift goes, you know, open up your Wall Street Journal from last Friday, you know, in the midst of this, the future of everything section. So there was something on silence and there was something on the um, human biome and there was, uh, you know, several things. And then all of a sudden there's an article full page in the Wall Street Journal, relatively conservative bit about sex with robots. You kind of go, um, the normalization of this. Now, if you sort of read behind it, uh, which is so interesting and it's fairly graphic and um, I could give you, well, you just read the article, you can get some, you kind of say to yourself, hmm. But what's so interesting is what um, that says about proximity and touch and relationship and pregnancy and family and community, all the things that we talk about, it's so interesting uh, that people think of themselves as being happy because um, they can get what they want. And there's a real question about whether you should have what you want. You know, in some sense, if you get what you want, uh, it, may be, it may be that we should feel sorry for you. You know, getting everything you want from a machine is still getting everything you want. So this is, I mentioned this in Bible study a few years ago, and I was a bit embarrassed to do it. Um, it was from a more esoteric thing. But now, really, on a Friday um, in the Wall Street Journal special section about, and it was so interesting that it was titled as The Future of Everything, Well-Being. And you sort of go, Really? That, that's what well-being will look like in the future. And of course, you know, I can take you all the way to, um, and I'm sorry to say, I'm sure you all have experience with this as I do too. Being mean to people can make you feel really, really good. Being mean to other people can make you feel really happy. And I sort of give you the range of things depending on, you know, what you, what you want to think about from seventh grade recess all the way to, uh, Michel Foucault, who, again, a book review this weekend was, oh, my goodness, I'm not sharing my screen. Thank you. I thought I was sharing. Um, hold on. And I thought I was doing such a good job of sharing as well. That's part of the problem, you see. All right. Now, is that better? No wonder I was able to see so many of you, and I was so happy about that. Now, I have to be sad, but uh, I'm very sorry that I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't shared that with you. So, you know, there's, again, um, one of the book reviews. And, I, you know, on the weekends, I, I do read some, you know, kind of farther out stuff. But there was a book review of, of Foucault, um, you know, the, the most prominent philosopher of the 20th century, defined pretty much everything in the academy, including all the things we're experiencing now. Uh, life is power, basically. And every relationship is a notion of power. Um, discovered that most in the S&M clubs of San Francisco and taking LSD. That, that was the that was his great awakening. Paris was too confining for him. And you sort of say, hmm, he's happy and he's to find happiness for all the rest of us. And then um, this kind of interesting article last week about investing while angry. It wasn't so much about the investing part, but the brain studies on how anger rewards the brain. When you're angry, 
the chemicals in your brain make you feel confident and in control um, and impulsively optimistic. And so now you can say to yourself, you can see how riots start, or you can see how, um, you know, even mass murders go down, right? So part of this is, is I, I want you to be, um, you know, quite, quite uh, wary of happiness, at least the way the world defines it or philosophy would define it, or even wary just a bit about the way you're feeling. I remember this story about a dean from Harvard, about a student who came in whining about, you know, why he needed relief from exams. And, you know, the, the dean's reply was most of the good work in the world is done by people who wake up and don't feel that good. So um, happiness, you know, okay, uh, it's good to feel happy. I like to feel happy too. But really, uh, there's a question about what is the source of your happiness and whether that happiness is objective and whether we can even speak of it in that way. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push you then to the next notion, which is this notion of blessing in, uh, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You have these two great words, esher, uh, this is the, the, the Hebrew word for, if you can imagine it, this is how the children of Israel should live. This is what it means to be God's child. And this is the way in which we live or the state in which we live. And then makarios, this notion of being happy or blessed or extremely happy. I noticed my, my old friend, Tim Thomas, who turned in last week, he's, he's got a great uh, leadership training and consulting biz um, and does executive coaching and stuff. It's the name of his company, Makarios. It's, and people often remark on how meaningful that is to them, this notion of being blessed from the outside or blessed by another or cooperatively blessed. It's a remarkable, remarkable uh, word. And of course, it is the way the Sermon on the Mount speaks, right? So when Jesus talks about blessed are, he's first talking about himself because he's encapsulating or living out everything in the Sermon on the Mount but also he's bundling up everything promised in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, especially about our return to God. And so suddenly, as opposed to our happiness, you know, it might make us happy to punch somebody else in the nose. Um, opposite that, or different from that at least, is uh, this objective blessing of God. And you all probably, um, oh, and so I give you this, um, you know, blessing is what God does to us, right? So I just, just, I just want to be paused because I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to discourage your happiness, but I want you to observe the source of your happiness. Uh, in the same way, I don't want to discourage the notion of being blessed, but I want you to absorb the observe the source of your blessing and in the scriptures to be blessed is to be to have god do something to you so being blessed means you're receiving this love and that doesn't fit very well with all the self-love if god was only given to self-love there'd have been no creation you wouldn't be here the only reason you're here is because the sort of divine love wants to infinitely expand and love everything creation beauty animals you, right? People, civilizations, um, angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. You know, divine love, agape, loves out as opposed to being turned in, right? So 
the Lord loves us, and then we live within that love, and we do love as well, right? So kind of my favorite definition of love, uh, you know, to, to, to do good, to love is to do good. So the Lord does us good, and then we do good too. And then if you, and you, you know, you, you've heard this from me before, the Christian life in a single sentence. Touch good, flee evil. That's about all you need to know. It's there in Romans 12, 9, love must be sincere. So real love, divine love, perfect love, sincere love looks like this. Hate evil. Touch good, cling to what's good. So, um, you know, hold on to, as we go through this, this notion of what it is to be happy. So what is, what emotionally, what resonates with me emotionally? Okay, some things make me very happy, you know, when... um, you know, I'm with my wife and my children, for example, or when I see you. I mean, this is a great exercise in happiness, um, seeing your uncovered faces and seeing you actually together. Um, it's very, very nice. Um, that, but that always needs to be sifted. And also blessing needs to be sifted. And you remember, um, I think probably, that Psalm 1 is the classic test, text on being blessed. So I've tried to format it in a way that you could just think about it really easily. Blessed, um, the one who is blessed is, so this one who is blessed is, so what does it mean to be blessed? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands not in the way of sinners, and sits not in the seat of scoffers. With a little bit of cleverness, you can see that's the way of every sin, so how, how is it that you and I come to sin? You know, we walk down the road path, but walk down the wrong path. And then we uh, see something that we should not see that causes us to pause. And then we sit down and play. So we walk down the counsel of the wicked and we stand still with the sinners and we sit down and play. You can test that yourselves, but that's how... Um, everybody sins. So the opposite of being blessed is to be a sinner. Um, blessed is the man who, who doesn't do any of that, but blessed is the one who delights this notion of beauty or takes joy in or finds fulfillment in, right? Blessed is the one uh, who takes delight in the law of the Lord. Now, we have to hear that as the Torah or kind of the scriptures is the way that you'd read that. Takes delight in the scriptures of the Lord and meditates, and we talked about how that Latin word meditate is how a, a cow chews his cud, so you relax into it and um, play with it and enjoy it and absorb it, right? He meditates on it day and night, and if you do that, this is what blessing looks like. And this is a particularly mid- Middle Eastern way of talking, places where it's dry and there's not much rain, and if you don't get rain, um, you're, you're done for. I think it was this week. I think I saw some pictures of, of a desert in Ethiopia where they'd had a couple of days of unseasonal rain, very heavy downpours where they never get rain. And flowers had sprouted everywhere. These bulbs that had been there for years dormant came up in this desert full of flowers. It's the most remarkable thing. If you, you Google it up, if you get the chance, it's glorious. Well, that's what this is like. You're like a tree planted by the water. You yield fruit. You never wither. You prosper in everything. Now, if you want to go the other way, that'll be the end of you. You'll be driven away like the chaff. 
And um, then hell is when you get your way forever. So in the last day, you know, you won't stand straight. Um, here are the choices. To be blessed is the way of righteousness. But um, to be unblessed, to be wicked is to perish. So sort of hold that near, if you will. Um, so here's where we've been. We just want to think about, you know, we have anxiety and worry and fear. And these things can be displaced by a range of things, primarily love, but love takes manifestation. So it can be displaced by happiness. Uh, someday we should. Um, I was once told when, uh, by another professor when Norman Nagel uh, interviewed to be uh, the graduate professor, to, to come and be a professor at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, um, I, the professor, there was a professor who was a friend of mine who told me he asked Norman about God's sense of humor. And Norman gave this glorious answer about how God loves to laugh, right? And how curative that is for us and how community building, you know, so happiness and blessedness, these things run together when they're pure, when they're holy, when they, um, when they, uh, you know, flow from, um, the heart of God. So um, the way forward is righteousness. Now, here's the rub. So happiness and, you know, a good laugh or what makes us happy that's at least comes from holiness and not of abuse of others. And then blessedness that comes from embracing the Lord and his gifts. Um, and then a third thing, related but not the same. Joy is being aligned with holiness, but sometimes joy limps. And so that's what I meant at the beginning, when if you get two of the three of these, you'll be okay. If you get, if you get blessedness and joy, um, you know, you may or may not be happy, but that's probably the least of your worries, at least in regard to these three. And of course, we don't have time to, to read this whole story. And actually, this is a mistake. It's not Genesis 38, it's Genesis 32. Sorry about that. But you know this famous story. Um, Jacob cheats his brother Esau out of the blessing. He goes away, he gets a wife, he gets rich. And then he decides to come home. And the night before he crosses into the promised land, he sends everybody else ahead. And he's all by himself. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. This clearly understood to be an angel of the Lord or the Lord himself. So you can imagine Jesus and Jacob uh, having a wrestling match all night long. Sort of comes to a draw. And then the man reaches down and touches Jacob on the hip and puts it out a joint. But still Jacob won't turn him loose. Look at this. I... Let me go for the day is broken. Okay, playtime's over. But Jacob said, hey, and this is what you should say too. Bless me. Amen. Bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is what you should say to the Lord tonight. If you wake up in the middle of the night, if you're worried about your kids, if you don't know about your spouse, if your health isn't good, if COVID has still got you down, if you wonder how you're going to recover, this is a completely legit prayer to the Lord himself. I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, the only reason you can pray that is the Lord is very happy to bless you. I will not let you go until you bless me. And he said to him, what's your name? He says, Jacob. So he says, okay, you'll no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. 
So his blessing is he gets to be, he gets a new name, and from him come the children of Israel. You've striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So endurance and possibility and success. And Jacob says, hey, tell me your name. And of course, to have the name is to control the person. Why do you ask me? I mean, the Lord will go so far, but he won't put himself under Jacob's control. And there he blessed him. So this is completely legit for you, right? Bless me. And if you're feeling a bit sassy, I won't let you go until you bless me. And frankly, um, you know, I don't know who's all on. I can only ever see a couple of people when I properly share my screen. But I know enough about enough of you that in all different directions, a good prayer for you tonight would be, Lord, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now, the other side is um, you shouldn't wait for him to put your hip out of joint. You might just go softly to sleep and remember that the Lord keeps his promises. Um, so joy um, is the bearing or the affect or the expression of embracing holiness, even if it limps. It means to be aligned with Christ. This morning in my devotions um, was the memory of the of St. Ignatius of Antioch. Remarkable guy. By tradition, um, he studied with, he was either the second or third bishop of Antioch. By tradition, he studied with the Apostle John. So St. John was his uh, mentor. But also by tradition, he's the boy, he's the child, that when Jesus, you remember the famous story where Jesus takes a child and puts him in his midst and says, you know, speaks about humility, unless you become like this child, you won't enter the kingdom of God. By tradition, that's St. Ignatius. I have no idea if that's true, but it's a marvelous story because it hangs a, it hangs a person on the story, right? If you could imagine, I mean, if such a thing were true, that Jesus embraced Ignatius and he becomes then um, this bishop, and then he ends this way. So he won't sacrifice to the Roman deities, and um, they escort him all the way back to Rome. He's an old man. He writes letters along the way to all the cities. And these letters become famous. Some are still extant. That's how we know about him. And he said um, to the in ones in Rome, and he sent a letter ahead. Hey, don't try to rescue me. No funny business. Permit me to be an imitator of my God. And then this. Let fire on the cross. Let the crowds of wild beasts. Let tearings, breakings, and dislocations of bones. Let cutting off of members. Let shatterings of the whole body. And let all the dreadful torments of the devil come upon me. Only let me attain Christ. Only let me attain Jesus Christ. So there's not much happiness in that. But it's filled with joy. And he counts himself blessed. He becomes a saint because his life is aligned with Christ, right? So he lives within the holiness. That's his blessing. He lives within the holiness and his joy um, is expressed in the knowledge that he and Jesus are on the same page. Faith agrees. So, um, I mean, here's the punchline. You might get all three. That would be great. I mean, I'd be happy for you if you got all three. If you got 
happiness and blessedness and joy, that would be great. Um, you know, they're, they're synonyms, but they're not synonymous. They don't, they don't happen always at the same time. But if you could have a couple of them, that would be really fabulous. And if you could limp through life, and even if you're not happy, and I, you know, you really have to think about this. You know, I've often told you that, you know, St. Teresa of Calcutta, Mother Teresa, you know, famously wrote in her biography, in 50 years she worked in the slum, she was only happy twice, or as she put it, I only had light twice, on the way to Delhi for the first time. And um, then her life went dark, and all she did, she did from discipline. And then decades later, she returned to Rome for six weeks, and she said, I had light on the train going to Rome. Now, that's quite a remarkable thing. That's a woman who is blessed and a woman who has joy, but also a woman who seemed to often lack happiness. But objectively, she was the Lord's woman. Objectively, he blessed her. He did something to her. Objectively, she replied by letting that love have its way with her. And objectively, it wasn't about loving herself first. It was about loving everybody else, no matter what Christopher Hitchens wrote about her or what other people said. It's, it's a remarkable life. And of course, that's um, possible um, for you as well. But you can you can live uh, in joy even if you limp a bit. And you know, I I know you know some of you are limping right now. This has been a painful time. It's been a long year. Um, a lot of people have been broken, and uh, but we believe in resurrection. So you, you can come back, but you come back on divine terms. So you touch the holy things. The holy things bless you. The blessing gives joy. It might also give happiness. But at the same time, it displaces these things that trouble you so. Anxiety and fear and worry. And, you know, Ignatius. If you have a choice between, you know, um, being thrown to the lions, uh, but being faithful, or not being thrown to the lions and worrying about that the rest of your life. Take the lions. I'll leave you this bit about seeing angels um, for another day. You can have it for a devotion if you like. But as, as Jacob saw the ladder to heaven, so do you. And um, it's a way that the Lord blesses you. So, you know, here it is then. Um, Jesus loves us from forever. You know, the, the love that always loves out. Jesus always makes the first move. Jesus comes to us in flesh and blood. He stays with us. Jesus touches us. Brings mercy to misery. He never leaves us. You're baptized. He couldn't abandon you. He never hurts you. He peels away anything that's painful and hurtful in absolution. Jesus nourishes us and strengthens us talks to us and leads us on the way home. And then someday, um, all that becomes permanent and it does become yours as well. And that's the thing then to remind yourself. You remember we began with the notion that <clears throat> we live by the stories we tell ourselves, very postmodern idea. But if you use a big S and let them be the Lord's stories, not your stories, 
um, it has a completely different meaning. So um, were I you, I would um, grab onto the Lord and not turn him loose until you, he blesses you. But you, you might remember to um, turn him loose when he does bless you. He's good to his word. And then uh, a little bit from Thomas Aquinas under this notion of if you'd bless me, Lord. So let's pray. And then I'll hang around a little bit if you want. But first, this it's very nice. You remember Aquinas because um, this so such an interesting guy, right? Um, his his colleagues, his, his the fellow students used to call him the dumb ox because he in in class he always sat sort of stone quiet. Then he wrote these brilliant and still um, widely taught and acknowledged books on systematic theology, kind of bringing together the ancient philosophers and Christ and um, scripture. And then one day he had some sort of mystical experience and he said, all that I've written is a straw. And he stopped. Um, he stopped writing, he gave it up. And that was the end. So um, it's just such a very interesting thing. So anyway, let's pray this and then um, off to bed or to the second playing game, your choice. Give me, O Lord, a steadfast heart, which no unworthy affection may drag downwards. Give me an unconquered heart, which no tribulation can wear out. Give me an upright heart, which no unworthy purpose would tempt aside. Bestow on me also, O Lord my God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, and a faithfulness that may finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, we shaved another minute off, so I'm counting that a victory. We made it down to 35 minutes tonight, so down from our, you know, our maximum of 39. We'll keep getting better here. Um, I'm going to ditch the screen share and uh, make the uh, thing bigger. If you have a question, you certainly, certainly may uh, shout out. Or frankly, if you want to go watch the ball game, if you've got money down already, that's good. So, you know, I'm 1-0 so far, so I'm feeling great about my bracket. Questions about anything? Or just questions about about this or about anything else, St. Johnny, I'll try to answer them for you if you will, if you like. Or if you want to, uh, you know, if you want to, you know, hire a Macarius Consulting, I am, I think, you know, 10% is coming back to St. John for this time only tonight. So, you know, talk to Timmy Thomas and, you know, you get, we'll get you the St. John deal if that's what you need. Nothing. You're all super. You're either super quiet or, or Mary has forcibly muted all of you. When, when will we be able to just go to church without registration? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wish it was yesterday. You know, we're having that, <laughs> that conversation now. There was um, late in the day, you know, there came out a thing that kind of advanced the date for everything. But the one article I read uh at the end of the day, it wasn't clear at all. So in general, you know, the two things that have 
The, the, we, we haven't ever made our decisions based on the government. We've made our decisions based on um, the safety of those among us who need to be cared for. So, you know, we always, we always look to care folks who are uh, weaker or older. That's part of it. And then uh, the other, so, so love for your neighbor. And then also just kind of liability issues. We don't want to be um, necessarily, uh, we don't want to expose ourselves unnecessarily. On the other hand, you know, at some point, all this has to end it's an illusion that there's perfect life. You know, we don't have a perfect life. We just try to have a reasonably, we do things that are as reasonable as possible, but, you know, and so, you know, there's several different people who kind of specialize in this working on it. We're trying to figure it out. Uh, but I don't know. I was encouraged today by the number of people vaccinated. I think I heard 104 million already in America. So that's good. Um, but we just have to see, you know, it's not, it's sort of, we always have to think about other people and we have to think about, I mean, we really, this is actually, I know it's been, uh, I don't mean this about the person who asked the question. I'm just, I know it's been irritating for many people who are younger or stronger or have different views about this. I know it's been very difficult sort of to be under the kind of under the discipline of wearing a mask and signing up and all that okay, like I get it. And um, I'll meet you at morning Eucharist every day as soon as we can get there. However, uh, we're Christians. And what we do is first, you know, as the scriptures say, care for our own families and that of our community, you know, and even that far would hold, hold us with some restrictions right now. This is not, and I will disagree with people, you know, other, other people can think about it how they want at least for us, this has not been and never has been a question about rebellion against the government. We have as many seats available right now every week as we did before the pandemic. So, hey, if you want to go to church and have the Holy Supper, we've added a service. You, nobody, can, nobody is held out of church. We have seats all the time. And if we fill them all, we'll add more services. So it's really a different question for us. It's a question of of safety and a question of liability. So there's a kind of a left-handed question and a right-handed question. And we're trying to do our best with both of those, but it, but it won't go on forever. And there's good people trying to think it through and we're listening to a lot of people. So anyway, I hope we get it right. And um, when we come back, you know, I just, everything we've talked about here in terms of gentleness and care for each other. And I know folks have disagreed about this and I know, in the congregation, there are all sorts of people of different politics. That's fine. And I know people have interpreted the science differently. Okay. Uh, but none of that is at the top end. You know, the top end is how I can love my neighbor. So I look all around the room and then I say, what's the best that I can do for this person? And that's, you know, I think what you should be doing. And I think that's what Jesus is doing. Now, at some point, once everybody has had a chance to have a jab if they want it. And once everybody's built up a little immunity and um, once things look fairly normal, then, you know, we'll be normal too. So hopefully not too much longer. And I hope that that makes sense. I mean, you know, we're doing the best we can with it. So, all right. All good. Anything else? We love you. Bye all. <laughs>